0: Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Playing double duty is going to be fun tonight. Um, my mind may get lost a time or two during this show, but we're just going to have to go it's with just it. like normal. I'm Jacob Seelman. And, well, this is Motorsports Madness, and my mind is already mad today. Not mad angry, just mad, well, crazy. You all know I'm crazy. If you don't, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll learn real quick. <laughs> if you don't, he will try harder to prove it tonight. Exactly. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about on this show. We've had a day of news, we've had more Monday racing, we've had short tracking, and, well... Some Bush guy won again. Yes, that's right. Kyle Bush is now three in a row, just like Kevin Harvick was three in a row after winning at Phoenix. And, Tom, okay, I- I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm legitimately really impressed by the job that he did because when he qualified 32nd, I said, no way. It's not going to happen. But funny how these races have a penchant for proving me wrong. Kyle drove all the way through the field, and that was the end of that.
2: A sonnet for Kyle Bush. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Kyle Bush has won three. Harvick has two. But the quest for four... We'll have obstacles galore because we're going to Talladega, baby. Uh, Yeah, three in a row for Kyle Busch. And you know what? This starts to remind me of what we were talking about with Kevin Harvick dominating after we left Phoenix. We went to California and Kevin basically threw away his shot at four in a row. I'm not so sure... That Kyle Busch is going to do that at Talladega. Now, he may have it taken away by a big one because you never know where or when that's going to happen on the track. But I, this starts to feel like maybe, just maybe, as we watched Truex run up front, as we watched Hamlin run up front, it starts to feel like maybe the Toyotas are getting ready to come into their own in much the same way as they did just about this time last spring after a hot start by the Forge, Jacob.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Now, this roundtable is going to be exciting for a little bit. You just heard from Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza also on this program, and Dr. Dirt Steve Oven is going to be joining us after a little bit as well. Cisco... I'm not so sure if I'm going to buy into all the Toyotas suddenly going on this hot streak, but all I know is that anytime you make Kyle Busch mad, he usually goes on and wins three or four or five races, and from there, uh, it just gets really, really interesting after that. Kyle was mad, by the way, because, Tom, he did not win... By about four races in a row. Now he's won three, and okay, we're going to Talladega. I don't really care.
2: Look, I thought it was worth noting that I heard far more cheers than boos after that race. Yes,
1: this is where Kyle Busch did the turn, by the way, as they call it in wrestling. Yeah. Haven't you used that before? Yeah. He went into the crowd. Yeah.
2: Well, and he he did that. On purpose, he said, because it was the tenth anniversary of the you know what, as he put it. Oh, um, you
1: mean the where he wrecked Dale Junior. And everybody yeah. like wanted to kill him, and he had and to he leave. Turned with security. heel, yeah.
2: yeah. That's when he turned heel, if he wasn't already. Now it's like he's turned from heel back to good again. And the podcast, I think that the two of them did, which. I listened to nonstop because i i couldn't I couldn't hit even hit the pause button. I mean, it was it was that good. It was that good. I mean that that was some of the best conversation you'll ever uh, hear between two NASCAR racers, in my opinion. It was classic. But you know, I I feel like Kyle's got obviously as good a shot as anybody at Talladega, and it's almost unfortunate that we're going to Talladega at this point because. If Kyle doesn't win his fourth, it likely won't be because he isn't good enough or whatever. It'll probably just be because it's Talladega and the timing just wasn't there for him because there's so many. It's all situational there, you know, as well as I do, Jacob. If you're not right in the front or you're not with the right people or whatever, or somebody, you know, spins in front of you, it's just too many variables there. So this is almost one of those things, if he comes out of Talladega with a win and we go to Kansas, not uh, Kansas, but Dover, it's
3: going to get real interesting.
1: Yeah, it's going to get really interesting very quickly. Okay, Cisco Scaramuza, are you impressed or is this just Kyle Busch? Is, Is this impressive to you or is this just Kyle got mad and went on a winning streak like he's done a few times in his career?
4: Option B please. This is this is Kyle Busch being very Kyle Busch and doing Kyle Busch things and proving once again that if he if he says to himself nobody's going to stop me, then nobody's going to stop him.
1: Yeah, that's about where I'm at with it right now too. Though I do have to give credit where credit is due. Joe Gibbs Racing as a unit has looked Pretty good, and I'm including Martin Truex Jr. in that unit because, well, basically Joe Gibbs, light or heavy, because when they won the championship last year, you get the idea. Truex (laughs) led the most laps, Bush won the race, Hamlin was running second on the final restart. They were all really, really good. And then Cisco, there was this Elliott kid that finished second
4: again. Except the issue is, and I know what you're alluding to with, again, because this is basically what happened to Kyle Bush earlier in the season, I'm still not confident that Chase is going to be able to pull this one out.
1: No, no, no. I was just saying again, because he's now done it eight times in his cup career without actually winning a race.
4: But I still make the point that I just haven't seen Chase be able to close one of these things out yet. I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but I just haven't, I just haven't seen that decisiveness from him driving it
1: his father took 115 races before he finally won one i looked it up so you didn't have to (laughs) thank you it's the kyle
4: larson effect (laughs) it really is the kyle larson effect once
1: he wins
4: he's probably gonna go on like he's probably gonna win five races whatever season that is well but he just has to get that first one well
2: i mean let's let's be honest shall we i mean Yes, Chase finished second, and that looks great on paper, and it looked great, it'll great. it look great in the payoff window and all of that. But at the end of the day, what Chase really did was he drove brilliantly on a couple of late-race restarts to pick off several spots to get to second. And, you know, he, even after the race, he pretty much said, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a long way to go here, but, you know, It looks like there's signs of improvement, but again, you know, let's talk about where we're all at in Hendrick Motorsports when we get to Dover and Kansas and Charlotte because those are tracks that traditionally one or more of those Hendrick Motorsports cars run very, very well at, and I'm still not seeing Hendrick actually competing on speed against... um, you know, the Fords and the Toyotas. It's it's This is very hard-won driving by Hendrick Motorsports and give credit to them for doing that. But it's they still got some issues with speed in those cars.
1: Maybe, maybe. But I think they're much closer than what they have been in my uh, completely unprofessional... Well, I won't say unprofessional, but... <laughs> I going to say. Gosh. You know, my completely pedestrian opinion that's a better word for it we'll see I mean it's uh, I i
2: definitely think they have reason to be a little more confident and kudos to William Byron because he really was the star out of that outfit for most of that race I think William is really making strides on understanding what he needs out of a car but I'm certainly not subscribing to the theory that Seeing where the Hendrick cars finished means anything much more than, like I said, a couple of those guys and Johnson as well really were aggressive on the restarts to get what they got, which obviously you have to give them credit for. But I'm I'm just telling you, they lack speed and they better find some before they get to these bigger tracks here. Talladega is a wild card, so yeah, I don't think is. that'll tell us anything. But, you know, the the next three after that are what's going to tell the story of where Hendrick's really at as we go into the summer.
1: Quickly, black check – let me try that black one Jack? more time. Black flag, checkered oh. flag from the Cup Series. I'll start because it's my show and I can. <laughs> my checkered go flag goes to, well, I- I'm just going to be honest, the guy who should have won a short track race – and still, for whatever reason, just can't get it done, but really showed me a lot of impressive speed again. Martin Truex Jr. led the most laps and just can't catch a break, man, but he looked really, really good and really, really fast, and I think when we come back to a short track later in the year, it's going to be much, much better for him. And uh, my black flag here? I I can't believe I'm saying this. My black flag is Kyle Bush, not because he won the race. That's awesome. But I was so prepared for the black hat villain bow, Kyle riling everybody up. This white hat half good guy thing. No, no, Kyle. You're supposed to be the bad guy here. So I'm, I'm black flagging your good guy act. Fix it, dude.
4: Cisco. Apparently, apparently, Kyle Busch is now Roman Reigns, is what we're learning from <laughs> Jacob Seelman tonight. Checkered flag, I'll give it to... There's so many people I could give it to, but I'm going to agree with the point Tom made earlier. I'm going to go with William Byron in the 24, just because he was around, and he showed he had speed, just not the finish he was looking for, but also did fantastic on the restarts. The Hendrick cars were very good on those restarts. The black flag, I'm going to give to... Chip Ganassi Racing's two drivers, because guys, don't run into each other, please. It looks stupid.
2: <laughs> Tom, well, yeah, I mean, Cisco stole my black flag, so I'm just going to agree with him because that's where I was going too. That that really was kind of we. I still don't know why that happened, but apparently Jamie didn't like something Kyle did. I, I to to. For the life of me, I can't imagine what it was, but there was obviously something the cameras missed. So I'm going to give the black flag to both of them, and um, hopefully we'll have some chicken McNuggets and you know maybe uh, you know some sort of uh, energy drink uh, meeting between the two of them, and you know they can uh, settle their differences. Checkered flag for me is really really easy. Checkered flag goes to kyle bush for exactly the reason why jacob black flagged him i love seeing kyle go into the stands i love this from him i love seeing the the chance for kyle to be a good guy and i love the fact that he's still catching all of us off guard good work kb keep it up
1: we're gonna step aside when we come back we'll Move to the Xfinity portion of the weekend without cup guys again. Yay. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're just getting started live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: Green light. Hey girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street!
6: <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstopwrecks.org.
0: Always
3: choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team.
7: Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on both Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza as we talk all things motorsports. And right now, before we talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Cisco, I've been trying to referee an argument during the break. And now we're going to bring it on the air because, well, I'm just motivated to hear you and Tom argue. So, pray tell, why is Tom wrong? I think
4: Tom's wrong because I want to see characters in my racing. I don't want to see everybody be the good guy. It's Rusty Wallace and Daryl Waltrip all over again. If you're going to have this no-nonsense, I'm going to win every race attitude, then don't try and be the good guy at the same time. I'm sorry. Okay, that's why Tom's wrong.
2: Last I knew, being a good guy was also a character. I mean, isn't part of character good si- or bad?
1: I think Cisco's point is we don't have enough villains. Kyle is the universal villain right now. If we lose him, who steps up as the new villain?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Harvick makes a good villain. Joey Logano, eventually, will be a villain to somebody. Joey's been a villain I mean, in the
1: past. Yeah,
2: we. I, <laughs> I'm we I, I don't think. I don't think we have to have a fleet full of villains. I think Kyle can be a popular driver and still make people mad once in a while, which you know he will. Probably yes. the next time he finishes second and scoffs off because, well, he finished second.
4: You're not wrong. I, don't know. I get I I guess it's just the case to where you He's know He still bowed. Yeah, he, he did, he did, and you know, it's part of I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just, you know, trying to hearken back to the eighties too much or something. I, mean, I don't know.
2: Shoot, I n I, I don't think anybody ever called Tony Stewart a good guy ever in NASCAR and how many fences did he climb?
1: A few. Before he, like 49 before he them.
2: decided he no, was too damn sorry, fat sorry. to climb sorry. fences.
1: He climbed 48 of them because he didn't climb at Sonoma for his last win. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, well, I don't think I think he stopped climbing a while before I don't think that. But... A,
4: would there be a fence at Sonoma that would work that isn't in 11 anyway? I'm not <laughs> Maybe sure. Maybe not.
2: But, uh, yeah, I mean, my yeah. point is, I, I don't think you have to have... I think that's part of the problem, honestly, with the NASCAR fan base, is this is how they view... These athletes, yeah. you're either it's like it's WWE. You're either a good guy or a bad guy. And they either they'll rip you if you're a bad guy to them. They'll rip you for something that their good guy did three weeks ago. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so I think that's part of the problem. I think it's good that Kyle Bush is turning the corner a little bit. We all know yeah. that he's going to have his days just like Harvick still does. You know, they both still whine too much, and Harvick still complains too much about his pit crew. But, I mean, gosh, Jacob, I, I, think, <laughs> I thought it was cool because it was something we never expected to see happen.
1: You're correct about that, and if you want to read something really well written about it, our friend Matt Weaver at Auto Week uh, penned a brilliant column about the moment Kyle Busch turned heel. Read it. It was good. That made my Sunday while I was waiting out the IndyCar rain delay that we'll talk about in a little while. Right now, we're going to talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series, which was the NASCAR Xfinity Series again because there were no cup guys in it. And guess what? Christopher Bell finally won a race. Yeah,
2: Christopher Bell won a race. I was mildly surprised that Christopher Bell won. Yeah, mildly. Not mildly. totally surprised, just mildly surprised.
1: I wasn't surprised at all, Tom. I mean, I'm just saying. we've He won last fall at Kansas, and I expected him to win in, like, race three this year.
2: Yeah, but see, I don't think what any of us expected was the amount of actual competition we were going to have from some of the other guys in the series this year. It's harder for... I, I figured this would be a JGR cakewalk pretty much this season, but... It really hasn't been so much. I mean, I think there's a lot of depth in the series now. Yes. It, you know, the, here's the point that I made, however, after that race. I said, look, if you had Kyle Busch in that race or Joey Logano in that race in the 18 or the 22 or whatever, those guys would have dominated the race. When you, when you take those guys out. What you get is even though the same two or three teams that are cup-based teams, and I count Junior Motorsports in that group, win most of the races, the driver's experience base is much closer. And what you get is more competition and more comers and goers. And that's what we've seen the last couple weeks. We haven't seen the ultra-experienced cup guys Just leading all the laps and driving off. I mean, that's been kind of refreshing, honestly.
1: It really has been. Now, what was also refreshing, and for me, completely unexpected. I'll be the first to admit it. Nobody crucify me. But holy crap, Noah Gregson came out like gangbusters Friday night. I expected him to really struggle because, quite frankly, after he struggled so bad in a truck and this year has not done anything to light the world on fire with Rudy Fugel like everybody uh, pretty much anticipated he should have. I honestly questioned whether he was ready for the Xfinity car. It's only one race. I'm not going to make a huge sample size off of just one race. But, okay, I'm glad to admit at least for one night Noah proved me wrong completely.
2: Well, I think Noah's pretty excited about that, too. Um, I wasn't real surprised. I mean, I again, he's in you know, as good of equipment as there is in the series, I don't know that I might have expected him to finish second, but I certainly would have expected him to be competitive as he was. Um, And I think it's great that he was because what I think this shows us is that Toyota has got some interesting things going on in terms of, they've got way more competitive cup potential drivers then they'll have cup rides available in the next couple of years and this is going to really get interesting because when you look at their roster you know i mean again it's one race for gregson but we'll see as he gets into races two three four five in in the xfinity series we'll see how he does but honestly When you look at the drivers they have now, then you look at Chris Bell, you look at Ryan Priest, you look at Noah Gregson, you've got Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland a little bit further down in their group of drivers. You know, there are so many Toyota development drivers right now, and they're never going to have ever enough room for them all in Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with some of these guys as the next season or two goes by and how many of them end up having to go somewhere else to race in the Cup Series because there just aren't enough uh, Toyota entries to competitively field them.
1: Toyota eventually does want, keep in mind, eight cars minimum in the Cup Series. They have five right now. They know they need more TRD cars. It just hasn't been the right climate to be able to add them, but I 100% believe it's coming. I believe you'll see Furniture Row go back to two cars before long when the funding is right. They'll rising. have to and I believe, next year. I, I believe it, and I honestly believe that you will see another— operation either switch to toyota or come in as a toyota team in the not too distant future they want that and i'm i'm convinced tom it is coming
2: well you look at the projection you know we we just can kind of project i believe chris bell is ready for cup at 19 if that turns out to be true then he's got to go into a second furniture row carts the only place he can go now, then you've got Brandon Jones over there who probably needs at least one more year. But let's, I think so. Let's say he's ready in 2020. You've got Noah Gregson who should certainly be ready by
1: 20. Noah has the funding behind him, by the way, not to, not to cut you off there. Noah has the funding. He could take that money somewhere and I think likely be able to foot a cut you know foot a cup team with that well
2: but again if toyota the only potential opening at jgr would be denny hamlin in the next couple of years perhaps I'm not saying
1: that it has to be jgr well though. but the but
2: point. here's here's what i'm saying i don't see furniture row fielding three or four cars no, two so sep- two certainly so yeah two cars so basically chris bell in in 19 could go to furniture row but in 20 he's going to have to go to JGR because Noah is going to need the furniture row car if he stays in in the Toyota fan you're eventually going to run out of cars because yeah. once once you get once you replace Hamlin and then you replace Kyle Busch eventually you're going to have four young guys you know that unless you run out of patience with one of them and replace them with another of your young guys there. There's just going to eventually be too many drivers who are ready for the opportunity and not enough cars. Unless as you said, Toyota adds teams to their roster. And right now we're not seeing any new teams coming into the, to the cup level at all. So Toyota would either have to make a major spend to make that happen, or they'd have to coax somebody away from Chevy or Ford and, I, I know buy that I don't think either of those two manufacturers is going to make that very simple.
1: No, but let's all remind ourselves. Chevy didn't make it simple for Stuart Haas to go away, but they did.
2: Well, that's right. Well, I mean, yes, but again, and make it
1: quick because we're up against a break.
2: Well, I'll just conclude by saying that this is why me as someone who's in business and really tries to look at this. You know, as the NFL would look at their draft, which is upcoming, you know, this is going to be fascinating to watch over the next two, three, four years, because you're going to have a lot of jockeying for spots going on manufacturer-wise, and these drivers are going to have to find some homes.
1: Yes, they are. We're going to step away when we return. We're going to have the funniest moment of the motorsports weekend, courtesy of Hinchtown, because this is what James Hinchcliffe does. That's right. We'll talk some open-wheel racing. And coming up in, oh, about 15, 20 minutes, we just got joined by one of the Toyota drivers that we mentioned is up and coming, Christian Eckes, still to come on Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
3: com or you can email them at office at VSR inc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way
2: hms motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety hms serves the majority of monster energy nascar cup xfinity camping world truck indycar and imsa weather tech teams as well as countless scca and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout north america
7: Let's throw the green for Open Wheel
0: Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the round table and Jacob Seelman.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. We have fun during breaks. This is just what we do. And before we uh, be- before we hear from the mayor of Hinchtown and talk about a couple of IndyCar things for a couple minutes, I do want to go ahead and at least let him say hi on air, because Christian Eckes is now in the Race Chaser studios with us, and we'll talk about it at length here in a little bit, Christian, but the congratulations are well due. First win since the 2016 Derby, comes in the ARCA race at Salem, and As I joked during the break, that monkey flew off your back about as fast as the one that flew off Clint Boyer's back when he won Martinsville.
5: Yeah, I mean, as a whole, it was really just a uh, good deal this weekend. Uh, You know, my confidence was going down, and I started to doubt myself. But, you know, at the end of the day, we were able to turn it around and really execute Salem and uh, bring home a W.
1: We'll talk with Christian Moore here in a couple of minutes, but wanted to at least get him in to say hey to everybody. Tom, right now we are going to talk about The two-day rain fest, I feel like I was back at Bristol watching this IndyCar race at Barber because Mother Nature just did not like anybody. I argued they shouldn't have even started that stupid race on Sunday because it looked like a damn Amazon rainforest or something. I mean, this was just bad,
2: guys. No. Well, you know my whole feeling about racing in the rain, so... I'll just skip that whole rant about <laughs> yeah, how please. bad that sucks. and But it, it was proven over these last two days because yesterday was absolutely deplorable. I mean, the puddling on the track, willpower crashed just before IndyCar finally got a brain in their head and stopped the race. So he couldn't work on the car until after the race resumed today. So he came out 20 laps down, but it cost him any chance he had at winning or a decent finish. And the race today started out to be a great race and in much better conditions. But here again, the rain starts coming down. And next thing you know, we've we've got cars going to crap because they weren't prepared for the rain to fall. And so the whole thing was really just an unfortunate mess. I mean, congratulations to Joseph Newgarden, but as far as I'm concerned, that race shouldn't have been started yesterday and it should have been stopped today as soon as it started raining hard. And, you know, they should have waited it out or just called it or whatever. It was really unfortunate because I just hate the fact that we turn it from a race of who's the best car to who can go the slowest and still maintain control without going off the doggone course because, you know, there's puddles all over the place.
1: I'm going to totally disagree with you on that and go back to Cisco Scaramuza because the rain today was nothing like the rain on Sunday, Cisco. It was pouring and puddling on the racetrack. It was not puddling on the racetrack today. It was just damp, and we were able to race decently to the finish on rain tires and not have any major issues For me, the most entertaining part of that was Sebastian Bourdais trying to do it on slicks. And if it hadn't been for just a little bit more rain, he might have been crazy enough to actually pull that off.
4: If he didn't have to go to rains, he probably, yeah, would have won it on the slicks, which have been amazing. I don't think anybody's ever won a race that was in the wet and still on slicks. So that, I think that would have been a first. I'm trying to rack my brain and see if I can remember anything. And I'm talking about every series here. So trying to think, I'm not sure. But either way, yeah, it was a um, Herculean drive that Bourdais put out. And just sadly, just didn't quite work for him, though. I mean, you know, had like you said, had circumstances been a little bit different, he might have been able to pull it off.
1: He might have. He didn't, but he might have. Even if it hadn't rained, I think he had the strategy to beat Joseph Newgarden on the one-stopper. But Cisco, Cisco before all of this happened, we, let's go back to Sunday's rain delay for a minute. For the single greatest piece of broadcast television, A, I've seen this year, and B, maybe I've seen in the last two or three years in anything.
4: Yes, so I want you to imagine that... You know, coming out of coming out of what I believe was a commercial break, NBCSN uh, uh, was going to talk with uh, the driver who would eventually finish third in the race, James Hinchcliffe, who had just gotten out of his car and Jacob,
1: I believe, we have that first question. Yes, we do. I'm not even going to tell you, you just have to hear it. This from the mayor of Hinchtown. Well, let me let me tell you something, Kev. I I always maintained that I knew at some point in
4: my career it would happen. <laughs> And there's a great story from Toronto in 2014 when poor, poor Carlos Munoz was sitting in the car begging to be let out. We were under red flag conditions, same kind of deal. And he finally said, guys, I'm sorry, I can't hold it. And they said, you can't get out. He pees in the seat. Not 30 seconds later, race control comes over the radio and says, all right, driver's out. We're, we're done. Well, I was sitting there during that first red, and I was begging to get just three minutes. It's all you need. Three minutes, wheel off to wheel on. And when we got going again, I was, my legs were shaking. I had to go so bad. I'm like, I can't drive a race car like this. So under caution, it took me a full lap. It was one of, one of the least comfortable experiences of my entire life. Oy. But I can officially say I've joined the likes of Will Power and Dario Franchitti, and other greats that have peed themselves in their suits. So you're talking to a man that just wet himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, well if he isn't the most popular driver in, that in, in IndyCar, then I don't know what else could
1: be.
2: Under the category of things you don't hear every day.
1: Only Hinchtown, like only I said. Only Hinchtown,
2: and and only Hinchtown could make that funny and entertaining.
1: Exactly, and it was hilarious. And you'll probably never have something quite that on television in motorsports, at least for a while. But again, as Cisco said, this is why James Hinchcliffe is so popular, and I love seeing him cisco back on the podium it's he's been outshone by robert wickens at every race this season and finally james gets one up on him
4: and and that's not to dispute the fact that wickens was still really fast too and i believe he finished fourth so i mean this is this schmidt peterson team is just on fire right now and i just i'd have to wonder as far as the team championship went what if they had the same number of cars as ganassi and penske just saying well, well, they do have the same number of I was cars as you say, yeah. Because oh, only has Oh, two yeah, now. that's right, because we dropped one this year. Okay, yeah. I'll have to it, take a look at the old team championship. And might
2: I toss in that I believe that over the course of this season so far, Wickens has actually pretty much outperformed
1: Hinchcliffe. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: that's who would have ever thought that that would happen? But Nobody. the fact that these two are best friends
1: makes it better. Makes
2: this team better because they're not holding back feedback from each other they're trying to help each other go faster under the theory that if one wins the the, the team wins yes. and if we had more of that type of teammate camaraderie in in racing we would see more teams elevate themselves unfortunately In a lot of cases, you have teammates that do hold back from each other, you know, because they're afraid of getting beat by their teammate. And it's like, well, okay, but, you know, you're going to get the same treatment in return. I think that the fact that these guys are so close is what has made
1: this team work the way it has. I would agree with that. Now, to circle away from Schmidt Peterson back to the guy who actually stood on the top step of the podium that we may not have even mentioned in this segment yet, but hey, Joseph Newgarden dominated Barber, Cisco again. Yes, he did. And coming down to
4: what was a you know, like we said, he built up this huge lead. Came in on rain tires. We were thinking, oh, if Seb can hold on, he might be he might be somebody here. But then Joseph decided once everybody got on wets, Joseph pulled away and won the race by nine seconds. So I mean, this is this is a Joseph Newgarden doing Joseph Newgarden things, and this is why he's the defending champ.
1: Yes, and he had as much as 27 seconds over the field at one point in this race, Tom. It was not even close. Whether it was wet, dry, I don't care what weather it was at Barber Motorsports Park over two days. Joseph Newgarden was the best car, and he basically did what he should have and won the race for the third time i don't disagree
2: with that i just would have liked to have seen what would have happened had you know the 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 thing stayed dry but it didn't but how about zach Veach? can we give zach some props
1: yes and let's clarify by the way he did fall back to i think 13th at the end of the race but he was running sixth at the end of the uh, rain delay on sunday
2: well and what he said was after the race that he lost some of the Electronics in his car during today 's portion of the race to the point where it he basically couldn't turn the car as well. It was like he he basically said it was like he had no front wings so um and this is a young man who got food poisoning on Friday. And had four bags of IV in him on Saturday prior to qualifying and still went out and put himself into the fast 12. And really, although he was 11th out of 12 in that round, he was about a 10th and a half off of not even a 10th. I don't think actually off of making the top six. You know, so Zach is a driver who in the last couple of weeks has really improved his performance. He's 13th in points right now. That rookie going into Indianapolis is looking pretty stout, Cisco. And Mateus Leist also had a 12th place today and a good clean run, which is something and we haven't seen all year from him.
4: Yes. And We're- on the topic of points, I wanted to point out something that's actually kind of cool. First right now is obviously Justin Mulegarden, 158 points. Then Alex Rossi, 145. Then you basically have about four drivers who are within 12 points of each other. Seb is at 119. He's tied with Graham, who's also at 119. Hinch is one point behind that at 118. Then you go five back more. It's Ryan hunter Ray, and then Scott Dixon's at 107. I mean, this this is a it's five drivers that are all within a shot of basically passing each other in points and this is after
2: four races in yeah we still uh, we had five drivers um five different teams in the top five in points going into this race
1: all right we're gonna step aside when we come back we're going to get back to uh the guy next to tom at the round table and talk to christian eckes about christian eckes and winning at Salem. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We're back after this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
7: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on
1: the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, joined now by Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens, who we'll hear from as this show goes forward and talking live right now with our featured guest. And as we mentioned in our last segment, the ARCA Racing Series winner of the Kentucky Anna Ford Dealers 200 at Salem Speedway over the weekend, Christian Eckes, who gives Venturini Motorsports their second win of the season. And for you, Christian, as we talked about, this was a long time coming. This was your first win in anything since you shocked the world and won the Snowball Derby in 2016. How it feel to uh, walk into the shop this morning and not have the weight of that drought on your shoulders anymore?
5: Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I mean, we already got our win for this year, so we can you know take a step back and relax. You know, we're for the races coming up. We're going straight for wins. Uh, you know, we were finally able to get a win, and uh, you know, to fully be able to break into that door, I feel like we're just going to keep clicking them off. Um, you know, we won three of the biggest late model races, and you know, it would go here and a half. It really, it, it was a terrible experience, but uh, you know, I feel like it humbled me a little bit, and you know, got me where I could be able to you know fully appreciate uh, this win. And um, but like I said, this was just a complete team win. You know, from the pit crew to what car I had, and uh, I didn't make any mistakes at the end, and that's what ended up in uh, victory lane.
2: I don't know how many times I can recall last year seeing you and Austin Terrio or you and somebody else just duking it out at the end of a race, and you just came up that much short. And to be able to finally put this together now – not only is that a monkey off your back, but I think it's a reaffirmation of the fact that, okay, Christian didn't forget how to drive. It's just how competitive the ARCA series is. And you've got a lot of teams and a lot of very talented young racers in that series now. And these races are just doggone hard to win.
5: Yeah, I mean, they're really hard to win. I, I mean, this year we had, I think, like eight more cars than we did last year as far as Salem uh, you know the car count has coming; came up a little bit, and the competition has surely came up a lot. Um, you know, I feel like we got about ten cars that can win about every race, and uh, you know, as a whole, it's just uh, it's a really good series to be a part of with how diverse the schedule is and you know, how fun all the racetracks are.
2: Well, I want to talk about Salem specifically because there are, are a large portion of people in our audience who aren't necessarily circle track fans. Salem is a very high-banked racetrack. Colby Howard talked a little bit about it last Thursday and how you have to run that track in an ARCA car. It's got to be very intense to race on that track with the banking and the fact that you have to really run against the wall for a lot of that track to be fast, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, as a whole, it's just a really, really hard racetrack to get around. Uh, You know, both corners are completely different. You know, turn three and four is paved and spanked, uh, I think, like 37 degrees or something. And uh, turn one isn't as banked, and it's rough and hasn't been paved since uh, I don't even know when. Um, But, you know, as a whole, it's a really tough racetrack to get around. It's a really fun racetrack to get around. It's really racy, and, uh, you know, it provides for good finishes like we
1: had uh, the other night. It was a tremendous finish, and I think that deserves to be talked about because this was a battle for most of the race, Christian. You and your teammate Chandler Smith put on a whale of a fight. I think I read changed the lead seven times between each other in the last 130 or 140 laps of that race, and you probably wouldn't have won the race necessarily if not for a tire that went down on Chandler's car on the last lap, so after a year and a half of brakes not falling your way, one finally does fall your way and you're in the perfect position to take advantage of it.
5: Yeah, exactly. You know, uh Chandler had a did a drove a great race and sure uh did. you know for for him to come up and challenge me like he did, uh you know, he drove a great race, but you know at the end I felt like we had a really fast race car and we were able to hold him off and uh you know our pit crew got us out in front and that's on an ultimate what well, won us the race? Uh, you know i've felt as a whole we were about a second or third place race car behind Chandler, and uh, you know for him to come up there, we were able to keep him behind me and i didn 't make any mistakes and you know as a whole, it was just uh, like i can 't trust it enough how much of a team win it really
1: was. Talk a little bit about your time with Venturini Motorsports because for me you know i 've known you a long time, Christian, and it was so telling when I saw. On Twitter, I think it was Billy that said how much of a team win this was and referenced specifically that even when you're not in the race car, you're in the shop, you're working with the guys, you're making sure that no matter who's in that car, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else, that things are as good as you can help to make them. And I feel like that that relationship between you and this team has just been something that's really helped you to thrive the last year or two.
5: Yeah, exactly. You know, the whole Venturi Motorsports gang is just uh, you know, completely just family. Um, you know, it's a big family team, and, you know, to have family members, you know, owners and stuff like that, uh, you know, really provides the experience. And, uh, you know, as a whole, I've really built a great relationship with Kevin and all my Venerini Motorsports guys, even on the other teams, not even just the 15 team. So as a whole, um, you know, it's just a great energy in the shop, and, you know, Billy has made some great changes over the past year to really – Further my career and further the Venturi Motorsports team as a whole. And, uh, you know, I really just can't thank him enough and everybody from Venturi Motorsports.
2: Okay, so I've got to ask this because, well, oh, I know
5: where this is going. it's just
2: <laughs> irresistible. Have you ever peed in the seat?
5: Oh, no. Actually, I have not. No. No.
2: You have not uh, had that situation yet.
5: No, not yet. You will.
2: Eventually you will. I hope you'll you'll be forced into that eventually. Most race car drivers are.
1: Other than the Derby and a few of these ARCA races, I'm not sure that he's run too many long enough races to have that issue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk
2: about uh, what life is like for Christian away from the racetrack. What What are your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not in the car?
5: really nothing to be honest with you. You know, I just kinda hang out of the shop, I just live, breathe, and uh sleep racing. You know, it's uh what I've done growing up and you know, I really have a huge passion for it and uh, you know, I really hope to make this a career one day.
2: You're from New York. Talk a little bit for our audience who isn't familiar with you, just give us a little bit of a bullet point synopsis of how does one get from New York State Legends to the Arca series.
5: Yeah, you know, as a whole, I mean I started in Bandaleros up there and, uh, you know, got to where I was, I was actually I was okay. I mean, it really wasn't that great. Um, you know, I moved into Legend Cars, and that's really where it took off. Um, you know, I really got to, you know, enjoy the better car or bigger cars. And, uh, you know, as a whole, I ended up moving down to North Carolina two years ago and started running late models. And, uh, you know, as a whole, it's just really progressed from there. And, you know, I've had a great career so far, and, you know, hopefully it keeps going.
2: It really seems like you've been very consistent throughout your career. You may not have won as much in the big cars as you would have liked to, but you're always up front. You're very consistent. Is that something that you've consciously tried to focus on in your driving style?
5: Yes and no. You know, every time you go to the racetrack, you want to go for the win. Um, But, you know, to... I think we finished second like nine times last year. It was something crazy like that. And, you know, to be in contention and lead laps at every single racetrack we went to, uh, you know, it meant a lot to me to be able to just compete for everybody. And, uh, you know, as a whole, we we definitely just missed it by a little bit on execution everywhere last year and didn't get a win. But same aspect, we had fast race cars and we were able to be up front.
1: Now – one of our uh, other co-hosts here, Steve Ovens, is from New York as well, Christian. And Steve, uh, when, when we mentioned the fact that this is a kid who's run at both the Chemung Speedrome and at Bethel Motor Speedway, two uh, short tracks up there that you're quite familiar with, I know, especially Chemung, uh, you know, he he's grit his teeth. He did it the right way, Steve-O.
8: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been so many, so many great names that have gone on to do great things. On the national level, you know, from this area of the country, and you know, Christian, I, I just I'm curious of some of the local guys that you may have looked up to or or maybe got a piece of advice from here on the local level. I mean, one guy that is you know trying to branch out more now, you know, a guy like Jimmy Zacharias who has kind of been the king of Shemung. I'm just wondering if that's somebody that you've talked to or looked up to along the way or if there's another local hero that's kind of helped you out uh, early in your career.
5: Uh, You know, as a whole, um, honestly, I didn't really get a lot of help from people up there. Uh, I really wasn't in the scene long enough in New York, and, uh, you know, as a whole, I was mostly down south as far as, you know, where I learned how to race and stuff like that, but, you know, as a whole – I'm from Middletown, so, you know, I was definitely looked up to Brett Hearn Ooh. as, uh, you know, where I've been. So <laughs>
2: see, you know. see, Steve-O's our dirt guy, so he knows all about Even Middletown. Better. <laughs> Even yeah. better. Even better, You say That's Middletown, great. and old Steve-O just lights right up like a Christmas tree.
5: <laughs> yeah, but basically, you know, I was, I was from Middletown, so, you know, I grew up on uh, watching dirt racing and stuff like that. So, you know, Brett Hearn was one of my heroes. Yep.
1: And, Also known as Christian is excited. Do you get to run either of the dirt races later this year?
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, this will be, I think those will be my second and third dirt race. I ran dirt there last year uh, at Springfield for the mile, and
1: uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back there. Also known as Christian Eckes is excited for dirt. We're going to go ahead and step aside. When we return, we'll have more with the young man from New York who uh, will revisit the whole shocking-the-world moment that was his last win before Sunday on the other side of this break. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. Back with more after this on Spreaker and PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
0: Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meinecke
1: 302-827-2054. Every 30
6: minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend, my brother. My poor grandchild my sister
7: my father
6: my husband My mom
7: <laughs> My
1: mommy well,
7: I've been of changing, cause I've built my life around you
3: Stop these tragedies before they happen Don't drink and drive
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
1: I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Steve Ovin, Cisco Scaramuza, and our special guest for the night, Christian Eckes, fresh off an ARCA Racing Series win at Salem. Now, for you, Christian, you get the, uh, the added benefit because you're not of age yet to run there. You don't have to stress about going to Talladega this week and – going, oh, are we going to bring the car back in one piece or in a matchbox? You actually get to enjoy this victory for a little bit, a fact I'm sure you're pretty thankful of.
5: Yeah, you know, as a whole, I, I hope hope for the best for my veteran and any motorsports guys still because we're in the hunt for the owner's championship. You know, hopefully Michael Self can pull off another one at the Super Speedway. I, I don't know. I think we're, we were second going into Salem. I think we might even be in the lead for championship points going into uh, – going into Talladega, but hopefully we just have a good day there and come out unscathed and get a nice top 10 and move on to where we can really race.
1: I want to go back, as I mentioned earlier, the last win before Sunday for you was the 2016 Snowball Derby, and that was one that you and I have talked about in the past. Maybe at the time you weren't able to soak all of it in and really appreciate that moment for what it was. You go on a year and a half dry spell you finally cracked the code back to victory lane. How was this win at Salem emotionally for you different than the Derby win from December 2016? I imagine there was a ton of relief, but for you, I, I listened back to the interview. It was just one of those, uh, those moments where it felt like everything finally, you know, finally just came together for you.
5: Yeah, you know, statistically, um, the Snowball Derby is, you know, the better win of the two. You know, obviously, it's the best uh, super late model uh, race in the entire country. But same aspect, Uh, emotionally, this win was ten times better. Um, You know, to go on that dry spell and, you know, come back after a year and a half and win at Salem. And, uh, you know, it was really emotional after Nashville, too, because, you know, it was kind of like a deal where, oh, man, I don't know if I could still do this or not just because it's been such a long time. And, you know, I messed up at Nashville pretty big and cost us out of the win. And, you know, come back at Salem and fully get that confidence and uh, relieve that pressure. It definitely sets our eyes on some more victories for the rest of the year.
1: We've had you on here a lot in the past, and I think you actually alluded to it um, earlier when we were talking. But I get the sense just from listening to you say that, that when you say – a a drought like this makes you question your abilities I get the sense that you really were questioning yourself a whole lot more than maybe a lot of people realized
5: yeah you know it's hard Uh, you know like me and Zane were talking about that the other day you know when you go through such a drought and even I was talking to Chase Purdy about it today you know as you go through such a drought that um, you know you really start to question yourself and you know hope that you're able to fully you know, do the best you can on the racetrack, and you know, luckily we were able to win at Salem, and I'm able to get that confidence back that I can do this and uh, and I can succeed in this
2: series. Well, and you talk about Chase, and Chase is a good example of a driver who maybe could have had a win or two, or at least contended for a win or two this year. But this past race was a good example of the type of situation that he's found himself in. He drives the crap out of the race car. And then the the team had two really bad pit stops that set him back. One, I think was three spots. The other one was six spots. So every time he would get to the top five, he'd have another bad pit stop. It's been kind of, that's been the story of his season. And it's not, you know, I don't mean to point fingers at his team or anything like that, just to say that sometimes, It just doesn't all come together. And like I said earlier, it's hard to win one of these races. And I do believe that before this year's out, Chase is going to get a win for MDM as well. That team is hot right now and has been for most of the year. And Chase has been just snake bit by these silly little things that have happened to him. So, you know, from a mental standpoint, you just have to remind yourself that you know what you're doing and and time is going to let that happen for you you just can't push
5: no exactly um you know as a whole me and chase have like basically had the same season last year and we finished second a ton of times you led laps we were there just that last second execution either it was us or it was a team you know we just missed it um you know chase i believe wholeheartedly can go out there and compete for wins yep and you know as a whole you know we're really good friends and Um, You know, as a whole, I feel like he's going to be able to break into victory lane by the end of the year.
1: I agree. Christian, is it appropriate timing that Zane breaks his long, winless drought a week ago? You break it now. Chase is on the cusp of potentially breaking into arc of victory lane. And not too long ago, all three of you were all kind of in the same position back in a Legends car, racing against one another, and really the same in late models for a while.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, it really was just uh, me, Chase, and Zane have had a huge drought. And me and Zane had broken in, now it's Chase's turn. Hopefully he does it at Talladega, though, and not Toledo, because I want to win Toledo. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs>
1: I was going to ask you too uh for sure what your next one was. So uh you you go to Toledo and you talk about winning at Salem. That's one historic half mile. Toledo's another track with a whole lot of history and I know uh you know those types of things are something that even at, at your age at 17 you're still very appreciative of.
5: Oh yeah, you know I take every opportunity that I get and uh, you know appreciate every one of them. Um you know to go to Toledo here I feel like this place really um, suits my driving style. And, um, you know, as a whole, I didn't really know how Salem was going to go. And, you know, it kind of took me by surprise how good we really were in the race and um, how we were able to win. And, you know, as a whole, there's a lot of positives going into Toledo now, and uh, we're really looking
1: forward to getting there. I know it wasn't your first time at Salem, but for a fan who may have never been there or seen you guys race there, how intimidating is that track to run an ARCA car at from the banking, the speed standpoint. It's arguably the fastest short track that you guys go to.
5: Yeah, you know, it's really intimidating. You know, you look down in turns three and four, and it looks like a wall. And, you know, you look down in turns one and two, and basically it's just this bumpy old racetrack. So, you know, it's it's really uh, it's a fun racetrack to be at. And, uh, you know, as a whole, it's really intimidating, and it's really fun to race at. And it just provides a good, day, uh, good show for the fans.
1: Is it a bummer for you, you mentioned earlier talking about being in the hunt for the owner's championship, Michael going to be in the car at Talladega, is it a bummer for you that you don't really have the opportunity this year to go for the driver's championship or is the added seat time that you haven't had the past couple years in a way making up for that a little bit?
5: Um, you know, it makes up for it in a sense, You know, I always want to be out there racing no matter what it is, but uh, the same aspect you know, Michael's done a great job for us this year already getting us a win. So, I mean, yeah. I can't really complain about that. And, you know, I, you know, even though I wish I was in the Drivers' Championship, um, you know, we're still going for an Owner's Points Championship, and we're really looking forward to going to Talladega and all the racetracks that Michael
2: is running. How much have you been able to learn from Michael? Because I I know that he's helped a number of younger drivers, and he's very excited to do that. He's very motivated to do that. Talk about the relationship that you have with him and some of the things maybe that he's taught you.
5: Yeah, he was really, uh, honestly, a key factor in how we won Salem. You know, me and him really talked Nashville over and what I needed to do better because, you know, he's in this as a team as well. Sure. You know, he's in this for this owner's championship and helping us out, and, um, you know, he really helped me get to that point where I needed, you know, after Nashville I had a lot of things that needed to change, and, you know, I changed all of them, and Michael was fully able to, you know, help me get to that point where I needed to be.
2: Well, I know that with someone of his caliber a lot of times it works well because he's able to fill gaps for you. You know, you can get close and then he kind of looks and goes, Well, if you'll just do this, it takes you the rest of the way. Is that kind of how it's been?
5: Yeah, exactly. You know, um, like I said, we I missed it by a lot at Nashville and uh you know, I really wanted to turn it around to Salem and obviously we, <laughs> we turned it around you a did. decent amount, so uh, you know, as a whole, Michael really helped me out, and really just everybody at Venture Motorsports helped me out. Um, we knew we had something to change at uh, Nashville, and we came back and and we fully executed and made something happen.
2: What would you tell a younger driver who maybe is at the Legends level or just getting into late models and is kind of looking up at you and several of, you know, the Zane Smiths? And what would you tell these drivers about – what they need to be thinking about and doing in order to get to the level where you're at now.
5: Basically just execution. You know, you don't win races without execution. Basically the best thing I've ever learned was A plus B equals C. A is the things you can control. B is the things you can't. And C is your result. As long as you do A perfectly, then you've done your part. Right. Um, You know, as a whole, it's really just, you know, as long as you execute and be there at the end, you'll have a shot at a win if you have a good car. And, um, you know, as a whole – you know, I felt like that's what we, we kind of lacked at last year. You know, we were fully able to break into victory lane and have good race cars so far this year because of that.
1: So something that Christian mentioned earlier, Stat Boy's gone and done his homework in the last couple minutes Uh-oh. while Tom was talking. It is 10 points that you are out of the lead unofficially, Christian, in that owner's championship race heading into Talladega for the 15 car after uh, you won the race and Sheldon finished third over the weekend so that's a positive you're right there and I know a lot of this has been in part you getting hooked up with Venturini Uh, you've got the hat on to prove it by the way Uh, the association with Toyota and TRD for you since uh, the you know a little over a year now has been I know such a big part of your growth and your career talk a little bit about what that's done for you and just really all of it culminating on Sunday afternoon.
5: Yeah, you know, as a whole, Toyota does a great job uh, developing drivers and putting a lot of support into you and, you know, helping you get to the next level. Um, You know, they help you out so much and stuff. Just, you know, even that execution thing, they help you out and how to trick your mind into fully executing what you can do. And, uh, you know, as a whole, just them giving us support and, you know, just the entire Toyota driver development program has just been really, uh, really good lately. You know, it's definitely proven itself with Christopher Bell and, just everybody that uh, came through the Toyota Development Driver program. And, uh, you know, as a whole, I'm really, really happy and really grateful to be in this program.
1: Well, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a moment when we come back. I got so inspired over the weekend by a segment that IndyCar d- had on NBCSN that I'm going to replicate it with Christian here. And when we return, five things you may not know about Christian Eckes with Christian Eckes. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live
0: hide the kids it's time to get dirty with the race chaser online crew here's your host jacob sealman with turn five lives curator of Casa de pork steven evans
1: welcome back to motorsports madness here on the performance motorsports network jacob Seelman, alongside tom baker cisco scaramuzza Steve Ovens, and we are joined by Christian Eckes as we continue through tonight's program. And I, I teased it during the last segment. I'm going to go right with it. And he came up with one really good idea during the break. So I'm excited for this. Five things you didn't know about Christian Eckes with Christian Eckes. And Christian, I know the first one is actually how you got started in racing. And I don't even know this story. So
5: Yeah, um, so basically there was this one girl in school that really liked racing, right? And, uh, so I, I figured it'd be a really good idea to start racing to try to impress her. And she was, she was definitely the best looking girl there at school. Now, what grade were you in? Uh, eighth? No, seventh.
2: (laughs) Can't keep going. Junior
5: high. So basically, I mean, it didn't work out between me and her, but you know, she was impressed to start with. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty fun. So, uh, you know, I continued racing and, uh. You know, it's led me to an Arco win, so it's been uh, it's been pretty cool. So you started racing to impress a girl.
2: Absolutely. That's <laughs> as good a reason as I can think of. Yeah.
1: I'll give you that. Hey, you know what? We can laugh about it later, if nothing else. All right, so I'm gonna cheat since James Hinchcliffe and Robert Wickens did it so well during the Rain Delay broadcast on Sunday. Favorite food?
5: Pizza, by far.
1: That that was Hinch's answer Toppings
5: on the pizza. Just cheese. Just cheese? Just cheese. Boring. That that's the best that's the best way. You Boring. just gotta have cheese.
1: Simple pleasures. Simple pleasures. All right. Um Beverage. Yeah, why not? Water. He's he's healthy.
5: Yeah. I, I love I like there's nothing better than a nice crisp water.
2: Plain old cheese pizza, water. Let's Do see I, if we can get something it, more energetic out I, of I,
1: I I've got a good one go here, ahead. actually. All right. I know you've obviously been in several different types of race cars over the course of your career now. So I'm curious, out of everything you've driven so far, what's the favorite car you've driven?
5: Every single one of them.
1: Oh, that's no fun. I I'm this asking is not that politics. Is fun.
5: That is fun. Yeah, I love every <laughs> single car I've raced, and it, there, its no one's no different than the other one. They're all fun.
7: Fair. TV right. show.
5: Oh, I like The Office. But there's another one I'm not going to say.
1: Why? Are, are you afraid you're going to get in trouble?
5: No, I'm not going to no. get in trouble.
1: He's afraid he's going to get picked on. Yeah. <laughs>
5: that That is it. Are you
2: a soap opera fan?
5: There's one that's not bad, okay? There's one that's not too terrible. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say.
8: It's okay, The young man. and the you restless or the, the bold like and the beautiful? Anatomy. It's okay.
5: <laughs> uh, I think you hit it right on the nail right there, but that's okay. Let's move on.
8: <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> see, New York strikes again. I love it. I love it. New York strikes. Now, okay, so that was five, but I ha- I have a bonus here just because keep, it's, keep it's my keep them show going. and I can. <laughs> I, what? Race And you cannot cop out and say, and say any of them. I'm, I'm making you pick one this time. What do you most want to race before you hang up your helmet at the end of the day?
2: You're talking about a track or a car? Car. Yeah. Okay. Car. Car. Sorry, car.
5: I know you don't want me to say it, but probably any of like, the top series in racing. Like NASCAR. If you
2: have could race that. any type of car on the planet for one race, what would you race?
5: Definitely a cup car. Definitely. Okay. But I see that Formula in One future. would be it really cool, too. Or IndyCar. <laughs> or,
7: yeah,
2: <I>
5: mean, <laughs> he just really wants
2: anything. to race, Daddy.
1: Yeah, he's he's right. worse than Cisco. Like,
2: seriously. Oh, Cisco's got a question here. I can't wait to hear oh, this. Oh,
7: boy.
4: <laughs> Christian Eckes, if you were not a race car driver, what would you be doing right
5: now? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Probably playing Xbox. That's about it. I, I don't really know what else I would do. <laughs>
1: That's all. Ever since I've known you, I've never heard you talk about anything outside of racing. So that makes sense hearing that.
5: Yeah, I mean, probably playing some racing game on Xbox or something like that. I don't know.
1: Basically, Cisco, what that equates to, if he wasn't a race car driver, he would be at home wanting to be a race car driver.
5: Yeah, exactly. Or he would be at
4: home talking about racing. Yeah, Yeah,
1: pretty much. Pretty much. Well,
2: he could have a second career in the media when he's done if he keeps... Doing interviews like this.
5: Oh, yeah. No, I'm down.
1: I keep telling him all the time. He does such a good job. I'll keep bringing him back whenever (laughs) he wants
2: to show up. Show up and co-host with us. We like that.
5: Actually, it would be pretty cool if I was a quarterback. Like like a football quarterback. Okay, who's your
1: favorite football team?
5: Denver Broncos. (laughs) By far.
1: You uh, ju- you just broke Tom's heart. Man,
5: what? I'm Who's a Chargers your favorite?
1: fan. You oh. I my gosh. I'm leaving. There's not room for
2: John Elway's ego. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. And <Here> he <laughs> <laughs> Andy can't make up his mind. Mu- Actually, at the rate he's been going through quarterbacks the last year or two, he might try you out.
5: Yeah, maybe. If you express maybe. some interest. Honestly, I might have done a better job than what our quarterback did <laughs> last year. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Brought back Osweiler. That was a good idea.
5: Oh yeah. Fantastic one.
1: Anyway we digress. Slowly, but surely. Of all the tracks on the ARCA schedule, and I- I'm going to be interested to see where this goes, what track are you most looking forward to getting back to or getting to this year of the races that you have left with Venturini? And don't you dare say all of them. I- I- I'm serious. I, I-, I know there's, there's got to be one.
5: I'm going to pick three.
7: Because okay. I'm running 13 races, so
5: that, that it makes up for it. Uh, Iowa, awesome short track, but the, not really short. Definitely Springfield, Dirt, um, and then Pocono because it will be my first big uh, track race. Big track race. race so. Nice. Really nice. just all three of those. But I, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm looking forward to all of them. Of Iowa is very there.
2: unique, isn't it? It's a really – I mean, Rusty Wallace <laughs> knew what he was doing when he designed that track.
5: That by far the raciest racetrack I've ever yeah. been at. Um, you can run the bottom, middle, wherever, like literally it's whatever you decide. And it'll be the same speed. So, um, you know, as a whole, it, it is an awesome racetrack.
2: Well, it's definitely been interesting. Cisco, I know you want to jump in here. We'll let you slide on in for a minute.
4: Christian, if there was one track that's not currently being raced anymore, whether it down to being closer, it's just not a track that you would be able to run in your current series. what What would that be?
5: Man, there's too many. Um, as far as closed down, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, Rockingham's cool. North Wilkesboro's really cool. One of those two if it's actually like a down track. And as far as the series, I feel like it would honestly be really cool to go to Shimong or something and make a northeast swing. Hey,
6: Ooh. there you go.
1: There you yeah, go. Now you're talking. Yep. Now you're speaking yep. my language. Steve's ears just perked speaking up. Speaking my language too.
5: Go to maybe go to like Waterford, Stafford, and then uh, hey, Shamong, yes. and make a northeast yes. swing.
2: Yeah, stop at the fast five-eighths of a mile in Oswego and oh, see yeah. what that's all yeah, about. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you sure, go. why not? Uh, okay, so tell me about road courses because you haven't had a ton of time on a road course, have you? Ooh, I, mean, I
5: don't know if we want to talk about my road course experience.
2: Oh, now we have to talk about it because it sounds like there's a really cool story there.
5: <laughs> um, well, I've driven a go-kart a couple times. Is that is that a good enough or –
2: well, it sounds like you've had more experience than that. What are you holding back from us, there, Christian?
5: Honestly, I only. Clearing minds want to know. I've run run a couple Legend Car Road Course races and okay. GoPro Motorplex. That's about it. Okay. But I was GoPro really like you. What's that?
1: I I said it's not a staffing standpoint. Just the racetrack itself. My understanding is you have not had very good experiences at GoPro.
5: Oh, I've had great experiences. I had a lot of fun time, but <laughs> fun times and. Race directors don't really like that. Too
8: much. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little too much fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We see where that's going. <laughs>
5: they just yep. don't
8: know how to handle us. New York folks.
5: Exactly. That is exactly <laughs> yeah, right. A little
2: too aggressive for the Southern hospitality. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man.
8: It, it, this, see,
1: this is why we have fun when we get somebody like Christian into the studio, because you just really never know where all of this is going to go. Now, to circle back to all of this and tie it into a nice little bow, before I give you the sponsor question, which, as you reference to me every time you come in here, is so important for you as a young kid from New York just trying to make his way, is there any... When you talk about running with Venturini and finding the family aspect that you've had the last couple of years... Would you have had it any other way, or has this really kind of been the perfect the perfect situation for you to fall into?
5: Um, you know, I definitely, on myself, I do a lot of things different. But, uh, you know, as far as the teams I've chosen and the things that I've learned, I don't take anything back. Um, you know, Motors Motorsports is such a family team, and, you know, it really proved that, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of good finishes, but we've never really been able to get in victory lane. And, uh, you know, bringing Kevin Reed in and a whole new team this week, or this year, not the week. You know, it really just progressed our program and really, uh, you know, made it complete again.
2: It's kind of, you know, you think about it, at any given moment of your life, you're a product of all of your past experience, right? So why would you take any of it back? Because if you took any of it back, you might not be exactly where you are now.
5: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there's so many mistakes I've made over the past years and, you know, opportunities I've missed out on. You know, I've thankfully been able to get back know where i am today and um you know all the experience and the hardships might even make me even better race car driver but at the same aspect you know you'd love to go back and you know a couple times you wreck and you want to fix that or a couple times you're a bonehead you want to go back and fix that but you know there's a couple times that you'd love to go back if you could
1: now the sponsor question as you knew was coming who makes it happen Christian who do you need to thank for not just uh what you did on the track on Sunday but for getting to you to this point cuz i know there's a a good list of them
5: yeah i mean there's so many to list uh you know my current ones JBL audio Sirius xm uh Toyota racing you know bannerie motorsports you know there's a lot of people that made this deal together and i got a huge break going you know, to be able to get in this car again and uh you know i'm really thankful and grateful to be in this car again and, you know, as a whole, it's just uh, it's been a great ride. You know, I've had a lot of good sponsors and a lot of good uh, help over the years. And, you know, to be able to be in the situation that I'm in right now, i you know, there's a lot of things that uh, I wouldn't take back.
1: Well, I know you're a popular guy, and you have a couple more media duties to attend to tonight, so we're going to let you go do that, but it's really been fun having you on again, and uh, we will look forward to setting up a night where you can come in and spend the whole show with us, and we'll have some fun.
5: Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on the show tonight.
1: That is Christian Eckes. We're going to step away, and when we return, we're going to talk dirt with Steve Ovens. And, uh, hey, Steve, I-, I got something to fire you up. Be prepared for this, okay? I'm ready. Stoke the fire. Let's go. We'll be back after this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports
3: Network.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Chop, Stephen Evans.
1: We are back on Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramouza, and Dr. Dirt, the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Evans, As we talk about a team... And a driver who I have no qualms, Steve, in calling him out all year. He sucked. He was bad. Even his team owner said they as an organization have been not where they need to be. They've been pretty much bad. And yet miracles do happen and all of a sudden we're talking about Darren Pittman sweeping a weekend. What? What?
8: Yes, uh, we call that the miracle at Peevely. Uh <laughs> Darren, Darren Pittman gets off the schneid and finally, finally shows us a little glimmer of hope from what is that nine car that, you know, ha- has kind of fallen into obscurity, it seems, over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, I-, I just I-, I am so happy darren to not only get a win but to sweep the weekend i mean as, especially in one of those races jacob that donnie shots won the dash and started on the pole yeah i mean wait are you kidding what? me
1: <laughs> yeah name the last time that donnie started on the pole that he didn't manage to win the race because it was oh a while ago and, and no i haven't actually looked that one up i'm just saying it's been a while
8: yeah, I mean, Donnie Schatz, who who started from the pole, and, and then you also had, you know, that guy we've been talking about, Sheldon Hodenshield, that's trying to compete for this championship this year. I mean, when both of those guys are, are running up front, and yep. yet still the, the nine car out of the Casey Kane racing camp finally finds a way to get it done. And, you know, I, I think that, this maybe could be the turning point for the nine car. I mean, at this point, you're you're kind of throwing everything. I mean, I almost... Here's a comparison for you, Jacob. Oh, boy. (laughs) 2018 Darren Pittman, 2018 Jimmy Johnson. Yes. Let the discussion take place. I mean, talk about two guys that have really been kind of in the same scenario when, when they've been discussed in, in the ranks of their sport. I mean, we know Darren Pittman can get the job done. He's been doing it for how long over the course of his career? And he has a World of Outlaws championship to, to his name. And, you know, we, we've we well-documented my thoughts on the on the Hendrick Motorsports struggle, which it seems maybe they've got that righted around. But anyway, back to the, the, the dirt side of things. I just, you know, that that's a comparison I made earlier this afternoon that just, you know, to me really makes uh, a lot of sense because for Pittman, it's just been, you know, they've been this close or, or on some nights they've been that far off. Yeah. And it, at Peebly this weekend, something clicked and they finally got it together. The, you know, to me though, Jacob, the question will be, can you take that weekend this past weekend and carry that out to, to more events than just one weekend? Well, Can you keep this role going?
1: If I were to answer that, my thoughts on that, Steve, are if it were just one type of track, I would say maybe it's not that simple. But the two races he won, this actually didn't start at Pevely. We'll take you back to Friday night. This started on a little bitty quarter mile in the middle of Arkansas that if you're not familiar with it, they call the Ditch. Riverside International Speedway is a tight little bull ring that's one of the toughest tracks the Outlaws go to. And Pittman wins there. And then he goes to Peevely for the Spring Classic, Tom, which is a much bigger, much faster track yep. there at I-55 in Missouri. And wins there, too. If this were just two little tracks or two big tracks, I'd say, oh, well, they just hit on a setup that worked for the weekend. He won on virtual opposite racetracks, which is why I believe they've started to figure something out. I
2: don't know if I want to say they've started to figure something out. I think I need a bigger sample size. But I will say this. Momentum is a powerful thing. And as you said, he started the weekend with a win at Riverside and then went to Pevely I-55, for those who know it as that, more properly named, (laughs) and he won again. So, you know, this is a situation, I think, where, yeah, he got hot for the weekend. Now, that's not to say that he won't win more. I think he will. And it goes back, Steve, to what I've been saying all along, the depth of competition, in the world of outlaws right now is it's as deep as it's ever been. And it's not surprising when a Darren Pittman all of a sudden gets hot and wins a couple. It won't surprise me if Shane Stewart comes out, wins a race or two. Won't surprise me. You know, there are a number of these drivers, you know, the shoe the Allens, that th- these guys that are more than capable of winning on any given weekend and sometimes I think you do just catch it right and it just goes your way for a bit. But over a 90 plus race season, it's hard for anybody, Steve, other than Donnie Schatz, it seems. It's been hard for anybody to stay hot for long periods of time. And this year, I don't even think you're seeing Shots stay as hot because there are so many other drivers who are capable of winning on any given night or
8: weekend. And, and guys, let me give you another name who I think Jacob is, is very much on the cusp of getting back to victory lane. We've seen it over the last two or three weeks now. Let me guess. Jason, David gravel. Uh, no, no, I'm not. No. And, and you know what? David gravel is next on my list of, of drivers that we're going to call out on motorsports madness, because I've I've honestly, you know, they're picking up. But compared to last season, guys, 2018 has been a major disappointment if I'm looking at it, uh, just because they don't have the wins. They're not, you know, a, a fourth place finish at Peebley was great, but it just They're they're not at the level they were at last year. I don't think they're even close to that level. They're getting there. They're just not at the same level that they were winning races at last year. But to give you that driver that I think is on the cusp of finally getting back to victory lane, let's give a tip of the cap to Jason Sides. I mean, Jason Sides, guys, double down has been off the radar I mean, not even – you can't even say in the same county at times. They have struggled. And and, I, and we talked about this a while ago, Jacob. I just think that him bringing – I believe it was Tim Kading yes, that was in that second car uh, for, for the, the West Coast swing. Yes. that I think that is paying dividends for Jason Sides right now. He set quick time out of their 44 car field at Peevely. And I just think that if they can keep doing things like that, because with the outlaws, the, the key, you've got to qualify well and you've got to finish well in your heat race. You've got to make that dash so that you give yourself an opportunity to start up front and try and win one of these deals and, and try to steal a win away from shots and, and Sheldon Haudenshield and, you know, maybe Pittman here, if that team seems to really pick things up. And, and so i that's who I look at as the next guy that I think could, you know, Tom steal one of these things from 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 uh, shots or, or the like. Um, and, and there were some really good stories, Jacob, that came out of Peebly, too. Yes. Jason Sides was one of them. Finishes sixth and set quick time. And here's another one that this is not a household name. Uh, unless you're you know uh, more more in tune with the midwest uh racing kale thomas yes, yes. how about the youngster finishing in the 8th spot oh uh, that in was the 91 a... machine and he was i think
1: the only non outlaw in the top 10 in that race too it was remarkable yes. the job that kale did over the weekend, and I was very impressed. I was bummed that uh, Christopher Bell wasn't able to have a little better showing than he did in Chase Briscoe's ride, but as Chase said to me at Bristol before they headed up there, he knew there was going to be a learning curve, and you know, they certainly learned a lot, and I think their time will be coming. What I was most bummed about, Steve, was that Sunday night show at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, Indiana, got rained out because you were going to have Briscoe, you were going to have Bell, you were going to have Kyle Larson in a second Tony Stewart racing car. Ugh.
2: Yeah. And on a track that would have been really, really racy for those guys, like the the Larson's and the Bell's, Hobstadt would have been a great racetrack to put the hammer down and go and shoot. Uh, Mother Nature just ruined it. That was unfortunate because that was, that was really like a mini all-star race that was setting up there.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. Not all-stars. All-star. Yes. I was going to say, go Tom. Just for clarification.
2: Just for clarification.
1: All right, Steve, real quickly, before we cut away to our last <laughs> break, I do want to also talk about one other big race that happened over the weekend. So, yeah, that old guy that we were talking about last week on Motorsports Madness that uh,
8: decided he was going to go out and win a race—he
1: won another one.
8: Oh, he absolutely did! And boy, this this is re- Jacob. This is really going to make things interesting because you know Bloomquist with the addition of Jonathan Davenport this season. I mean. I think the Lucas Oil title is as wide open as it may have ever been. We thought that last year with the with the talented drivers that made the shift to the Lucas Oil tour uh, to start last season. But, man, I mean, you had Jonathan Davenport that seemed to win everything off right out of the gate to start the season. You Josh Richards has gotten his in but now bloomquist is starting to turn it up and at a place like port royal uh man i, I got to say i i have i have bagged a lot on on scott bloomquist over the years and particularly in the last year or so i may have to change course because he's making me look like a fool here you mean you may have to eat some more crow i just may have to and, and and another driver that that you know I I love to follow. Everybody in the Northeast loves to follow. I, I really think Tim McCready and the Longhorn guys are starting to turn it around too, because they get another top five finish. And, and what started out as a horrendous season for those guys is starting to turn around too. So I mean, you know, they're they're they've got a ways to go to get back in the point race. Yes, they do. You know, like Bloomquist is going to do, but yet. Yeah, you know, at the same time, uh, you start to see a team that kind of ebbs and flows while well, they're starting to make positive ground here. And that's what you want. That's what you want to see. Yes. But, you know, Bloomquist, Josh Richard second and, and Davenport still leading the points. It's going to be a thrilling race all year long. Last tiny shout out on the points, Steve. Can we give a
1: call to the cat who's running sixth in points right now, tied with Jimmy Owens?
8: Hudson O'Neill is doing an absolutely sure remarkable
1: is. job sure right is. now.
8: Yeah. Dude. Oh, definitely. And and I think that that's probably a driver, Jacob. I know. I think you guys would agree. I think that's a driver that you know has had so many good runs this season that we haven't given a call to. And, and, and part of that is because of the the depth of drivers. I mean, the, the, the absolute power and talent of this series, it's so easy to, to talk about, you know, the guys that are, that are battling it out in the top five and points that you get somebody like Hudson O'Neill that has, you know, done a phenomenal job in that 71 car sits sixth in points. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, Jacob, where? Where did this come from? We haven't been talking about this, but we should have been.
1: I know. That's exactly right, Steve. And uh, we'll have to uh, get Hudson on here real in short order to talk about his season to date. Uh, That'll happen on an upcoming edition of Motorsports Madness. Don't worry. Right now, we're going to take our final commercial break. When we return, the lightning round here on Spreaker. And the Performance Motorsports Network, stand by. We'll be right back. How to be a
3: great dad in 15 seconds.
1: Modified driver Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network, also live on Spreaker.com and the Spreaker app. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, and... I can't believe I'm saying this because we're going into the lightning round and it's my show. But I'm going to defer to Tom only because I know he wants to lead off with the first lightning round question. And then I have a handful of things that I want to hit to as well, Tom. So just just be prepared for that.
2: Okay, so I want to do a little buy and sell here and uh, we'll get Cisco back into the conversation with this one as well. And we can go around the table, and since Jacob deferred to me, I'll kind of control the traffic just for this question. And we'll go me, Steve, Cisco, and Jacob. So, buy or sell, Hendrick Motorsports is back. Steve, you go first.
8: Sorry, I'm going to put myself last. Boy, I I'm going to sell only because I... I really want to see them perform this way on a mile and a half. When I see that, I'll buy it. For now, I sell it. Jacob.
1: I'm going to do what I planned on doing for the entire show. Buy, buy, buy. You know why? Because I think this confidence from their short track program is going to bleed into the intermediate program. And I think by the time we get to Kansas and Charlotte, they're going to be okay my story and i'm sticking to it okay i'm gonna go next and i am
2: saying right now that i am actually going to sell for the same reason that steve is selling these these last two weeks have been short tracks and we still have again the big the big level of success for them this past weekend was late race restarts where they gained several spots and drove very aggressively. Otherwise the finishes wouldn't look as good. I'm still selling. I don't think they have the speed yet, but I am saying that I'm really appreciating William Byron right now because I can see the progress that he's making as a driver and learning what his car needs and how to make the car faster. I just, uh, again, I want to see him on, I want to see Jimmy Johnson at Dover where he's been basically the king of the road for the last, oh, well, you know, as many years as he's been racing in the cup, Uh, you know, and then I want to see him at Kansas and Charlotte. After that, we'll talk again.
1: (sighs) All right. Lightning round question numero dos, guys, and I'm going to go to Cisco first on this one. And I'm going to actually turn it into a buy or sell, because why not? After Christopher Bell won at Richmond on Friday, are you buying or selling him as a championship favorite?
4: Wasn't he a championship favorite from the very beginning of the season?
1: He was until he didn't do anything for the first quarter of the year.
4: But he's in a JGR car, Jacob, and JGR cars are statistically better than everybody but Penske in that series.
1: Well... You're not wrong, but JGR just woke up the last two weeks.
4: Yeah, but I I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to be around all season. I, I've never stopped thinking that Chris Bell wasn't going to be a championship contender.
1: Okay, fine. Tom? I wholeheartedly
2: agree that Chris Bell is a championship contender, and I don't think JGR just woke up. I think that it's just how competitive the Xfinity series has been this year. Um the, you know you've got the junior cars running really well. The 22 has come out of nowhere again and been a car that's, you know, been very very good. Um I I really believe that Chris Bell is certainly a championship contender. But I think there, I think the guy you got to watch in that stable is honestly Brandon Jones because I'm seeing signs that Brandon, by mid-season or so, I don't know if he can win the championship, but I certainly think he can win and get in, and if he makes it to the Final Four, he'll be as good as anybody at Homestead. I think
8: Brandon Jones is going to really show you some improvement as the season goes on. Steve? I think he's a contender for sure, but I just think that uh... – I really think, and and this is not just from uh, being a previous junior fan, I really think Elliott Sadler is the guy that you got to watch out for. I think that come Homestead, he's not going to let the same thing happen twice. And I think that that Christopher Bell is certainly in the conversation, and Christopher's going to win a lot of races this year. But when it comes down to Homestead, I, I don't think he's the contender.
1: By the way, Elliot Sadler, we didn't mention this earlier in the program, but he did win 100000 sure bucks did. Friday night at Richmond International Raceway. Yeah,
8: the wife already spent it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Was that on Twitter? <laughs> no, that was on TV.
6: Yeah.
2: Oh. That's
8: what
1: he said. yeah. <laughs> well... Yeah.
8: Yep. <laughs> so when he got home, he he was either he won brownie points for winning hundred grand, or he's in the doghouse for his TV comments. Uh, one of the two.
0: <laughs> we'll just yeah, move sleeping on. On
8: the couch. We'll just move on.
1: On a scale of one to ten, rate the level of excitement for Talladega this weekend. Rate your level of excitement for Talladega this weekend,
8: Steve. Well, I used to love it. I, I really did. But I got to tell you, for some reason, it just I feel like I'm watching a race just to wait for a wreck to happen. And and how many cars is it going to take out? I, I'm not I'm obviously not a fan that watches restrictor plate racing to watch wrecks happen. But I think I'm starting to sway away from restrictor plate racing because I'm not necessarily watching. I'm just watching to wait for the wreck to happen, and and I, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of changing course. Uh, I, I'm going to be like every other fan and say we need more short tracks. Cisco, does excitement count
4: uh, also as an impending dread? No,
1: I said excitement. <laughs>
4: dread is That's not the excitement. opposite of excitement. Yeah, I just I just have a really bad feeling about talladega i don't know what it is but i just uh, something seems off okay i feel like we're gonna have a massive accident i don't know why i just in the back of my mind i feel like we're due okay so that doesn't
1: answer the question on
4: the I mean, scale it's of one a, a plate track. That would be a negative so I guess, four, or something. you know, yeah, four out of ten, something like that. But I, I just, uh, I just can't get it out of the back of my mind that I feel like we're due for a really big accident.
1: All right, Tom, I'm gonna let Steve back in here. He wanted to
8: actually well, give his number. I, that I he realized forgot to I give. didn't answer the question. I'll go three out of ten. All right. Okay, first of all, aren't we, am
2: I mistaken, or aren't we doing the drivers in the booth thing on Saturday? We are. At Talladega. We are. Okay, that alone, for that reason alone, on a scale of 1 to 10, 46... (laughs)
1: <laughs> why 40? Be-
2: because uh, well, be- because ten's not high enough to register well, no, my level uh, why of excitement.
1: 46. Specific I, know, I just
2: like picked that. it out of thin air. I mean, look, that, that's enough reason to be excited, isn't it? I mean, that was the most fun we had watching a broadcast all year last year. And now you got Bubba Wallace getting involved. I mean, you got some new faces there. I think it's going to be great. Now, in as far as the racing, look, I, I, I know there's going to be a big wreck. There is always a big wreck at a restrictor plate race. I still think it's fun to watch, and I think really just waiting to see who's going to win. This is a race. You know, let, let me just bring up something that might be interesting for the last 30 seconds or minute of the show to talk about. You look at a team like Front Row Motorsports. Now, you can look at the results and you can say, well, they're not doing that much better than they've ever done. But if you paid attention the last two, three races, you've had both David Reagan and Michael McDowell running
1: mid-pack
2: and actually being in for a little while the other day. David Reagan was the fastest car on the track at Richmond, not Bristol. No,
1: I I wanted to circle Bristol specifically because Michael qualified top 10, ran in the top 10 until he got wrecked. And David Reagan had plenty of speed there as well.
2: So my point is you take them now to Talladega and give them the same equipment that Ricky Stenhouse and Trevor Bain have And you got, you know, the potential. We've seen it before with Reagan, you know. So these types of cars and drivers have a chance to win these races. And I think, you know, I think that's what makes it interesting for me. So I'm going to say just on the cup race alone, eight out of 10 and 46 on the Xfinity because of the the
1: broadcast. (laughs) All right. By the way, 46 is a Days of Thunder reference. So we'll make that the reason why Tom said 46. Sure, whatever floats your boat. For me, 10. (laughs) 10, max the scale. I love watching Talladega. I'm sorry. I don't feel the dread that people do at restrictor plate races. I love it. I think it's massively entertaining. You never want to see any big accidents, but that just is what it is. And it happens, and we just get through it and move on. 10 for me max the scale let's go racing on the high banks this weekend now in the final 30 seconds that we have i'm gonna go around the table no explanation just give me a give me a driver or a team if an underdog wins at talladega on sunday it's blank tom uh i'll go david reagan why not cisco Bubba wallace
8: is he an underdog though really Yeah, I
2: think he's still an underdog.
1: Okay. Yeah,
4: I'd
8: say he still counts. Absolutely he's an underdog, and I go Bubba Wallace as well.
1: All right, I'll throw a flyer. Matt D. Burrito. (laughs) You're welcome.
2: (laughs) Hashtag
8: (laughs) salsa time.
2: Well, all I know is that if Matt Benedetto ever wins a cup race, <laughs> I mean, you think Clint Boyer throws a party. Wait yeah. till you see what happens there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And with that, we're going to laugh our way right off the air and conclude this edition of Motorsports Madness. We're glad you've tuned in. We've had a ball. We hope you have, too. Thanks to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the folks at PMN that help keep us on the air and make this show possible. For Tom Baker, Steve Ovin, Cisco Scaramuza, I'm Jacob Seelmaner reminding you to keep it off the wall folks and if you're headed to a racetrack we might just see you there we'll be back on the air monday 7 p.m eastern for another round of the madness till we meet again
0: you've been listening to motorsports madness with the race chaser online crew stay tuned to performance motorsports network for more race talk for the latest motorsports news visit racechaseronline.com motorsports madness is a copyrighted production of the performance motorsports network www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com a member of the scorpion radio group incorporated and may not be rebroadcast replicated or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of pmn check out our facebook page or our section in the pmn website the opinions expressed on this program are those of the host co-hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.